Thank you, Father. Blessed be your holy name forever. We thank you. The privilege to approach that great throne of glory. To seek your face, to be with you and you with us. We thank you, Father. The Holy Spirit of God sent to leave in us, with us, as the Alos Paracletos, one sent alongside us to guide us, to strengthen us, to intercede with us, to help us, to counsel us, to defend us and to teach us. To teach us the truth about the realities of your kingdom to which we were called. For your word said we have been called to inherit a kingdom and glory. Precious Holy Spirit, even this morning, you are welcome. Even this morning, you are permitted to have free reign. Pour out the spirit of revelation and illumination. Teach us the tenets, the truths that liberate, that free, because you are the spirit of truth, the spirit of liberty, the spirit of the glory of his word. <clears throat> and Father, we thank you. The words say not to forsake the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is as we see that great day approach. May we be prepared. Anasada Igamanasada Kaparadon Kesavida. May we be prepared. There will be many days of this sort that we will face in our time. But they, may they not throw us off. May they not cast us off. May they not cause us to deviate from the paths of righteousness and light. Thank you for what you're going to teach us by your spirit this evening, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Matthew 
chapter 24. Good morning. I trust you well. <laughs> and we'll read from verse 1 until we reach our theme scripture for this series, this gospel of the kingdom. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and incidentally, what Jesus prophesied here concerning the temple took place in 70 AD with the great persecution that happened and that ultimately led to the destruction of the temple. And since then, the temple had not been rebuilt and it shall be revealed again at the time of the Antichrist and around the time for the consummation of all things. And verse 3, he said, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. To believe in Jesus, you must also believe in the end of the world. You must believe that there is an expiry date for this age. So no Christian can confidently believe in Jesus without believing in the end of the world. So eschatology is a very important part of our faith. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. The sign the sign, they were asking Jesus for the sign of his coming and the end of the world. So these, these two events um, are bonded together in that one would lead to another. Now, at this point in time, Jesus had come. So, he, they were talking about his second coming because he had told them that he'd come again. And they're asking him, 
Tell us the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. Which implies that the first arrival of Jesus marked the beginning of the end. Christ is the calendar by which we measure the expiration of the world. So he, he is going to come again and there are signs, there are signs that we can look at and that will provide us with assurance and information that his coming is near or the end of the world is near. And if, if there's anybody that knows this better is Jesus. So they came and asked him. And verse 4, Jesus said, The first sign of my coming, the first sign of the end of the world, this is the first sign. He said, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ and shall deceive many. He, he's saying deception and gross deception will be the sign of the last time. And, and deception, he, he's, he's giving us the character of deception. He, he's, he's just not saying deception, right? He says, many will come in my name saying they are Christ's. Which means the deception of the last times is that men will embody themselves as Jesus Christ. And he said, this, when you see prominence or, or gross manifestation of this kind of deception, know that I'm coming. Because he said, many, many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many. And are we not seeing that in our generation? How many are purporting to be the Savior? They posture themselves to act like the Savior. To take the place of Christ in our lives. And he said, be careful of this. That's number one. Number two, he said, he shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. He shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. That's sign number two. The, the, the sign that he is coming and the end of the world is nigh is that there will be an abundance, a frequency of wars and rumors, threats of wars. And then he says, see, see to it, which means you have a responsibility. See to it when you hear of such things that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. These are signs. These are signs. And then he said, for nation will rise against nation 
There's never been a time in human history like our time where there's been so many antagonizations among the nations. So much conflict between nations. And nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be fair minds and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. In other words, in different places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Just that mainstream media does not broadcast some of these things, but if, 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 you, if you look in secondary uh, media flows and media streams, you'd see the devastation that is happening in the world in terms of natural disasters, floods, earthquakes, volcanoes, And the leaders of this world are attributing all these events to, to, to climate change. That is because of climate change that we are seeing such a rise of these things. And that's not the case. That's not the case. These are signs the earth is responding. The earth is sounding the alarm. That's number four. Number five, he says, then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted. Do you know the church of Jesus Christ in this generation is full of talk? But the vast majority of us are afraid of the thing which Jesus said must happen to us. It must happen. He, said the vast, he says, they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and they shall kill you. They shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended. Many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Verse 11, And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. Many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And be because iniquity shall abound. Look at this. Because iniquity shall abound. Lawlessness. The love of many shall wax cold. This is because of, of, of the abundance of lawlessness that will be in the world. He says the love of many will grow cold. And verse 14, verse 13, he says, but he that shall endure. So this is a game of endurance. The Bible says, to him that wait for him, he shall come unto them a second time for salvation. But in order for us to see that, he says, you must endure. 
He that shall endure to the end shall be saved. So part of the assignment of, of God's stewards is the strengthening and preparation of God's children to help them endure unto the end. Which supposes that there are many who will not be able or be capable of enduring to the end. But he says, he that enjoys to the end shall be saved. So there is no guarantee that you're, you're going to sustain through all these events. Because he's not saying they will happen one after the other. He's saying they will happen concurrently. The time or the generation in which you see all these events all happen at the same time. The rise of false prophets, the rise of nation antagonizations, the rise of wars and rumors of wars, the rise of iniquity and lawlessness, the rise of affliction and Christian persecution. When you see all these things amalgamate together, it says, no, the end is near. And he says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Verse 14, and this gospel, and this gospel, this is one of the signs of the end of this age and the coming of our Lord. And this gospel, oh Lord, of the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a testimony, for a witness unto all nations. Then the end shall come. Notice, it is the gospel that will bring the end. It is the witness of the gospel of the kingdom published in all nations that shall bring the end. Jesus never said that. He said this gospel of the kingdom. It shall be preached. It says, and then the end shall come. Then the end shall come. When the gospel has been preached not, not to convert man, but as a witness of what? A witness of what? And this is the reason why I'm teaching you this series, this gospel of the kingdom, because I am convinced looking at the landscape of Christianity in our world that many leaders, many ministers of God have no clue to what they were called to do and the purpose behind the administration of their offices. Many of them have no clue. 
many of them have no understanding, foundational understanding of why God called them to do what they are doing. Because it's possible. Not to have the understanding of the purpose behind your appointment. And daily when I look at the Christian landscape, I'm convinced that there's a lack of understanding about what the gospel of Jesus Christ is and how to minister, express, and preach that gospel. Hence, we, we're full of talk and theories and opinions. We preach about every other thing except the thing to which we were called for, the gospel of the kingdom. The Bible says, and when he called the 12 together, he gave them power. And he said, go unto all the cities and preach the gospel. Healing, preach the gospel. And every other man who's called into the responsibility of any of these ministries has been called with the aim, with the purpose that there will become witnesses of Jesus Christ, witnesses of the gospel. Did not the Lord Jesus Christ say, ye shall receive power? You shall receive dunamis after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me. And the reason there's so much little witnessing done is because there's no power. The lack of power is proof that there's no witnessing because the power is for witnessing. The, the power is for witnessing. Now, you cannot and God cannot support or sponsor or supply His power unless there is going to be witnessing. And this is, this is proof, the lack of power, the lack of the expression of power in, in the body of Christ today is, is because there's no witnessing. There's no witnessing being done unto Jesus. You shall be witnesses unto me. Where? Where? He, he says, you shall be witnesses unto me. He, he's talking about somebody in a courtroom that is coming to give witness and, and Jesus is, is in a way implying that I, I, am, I am on trial. I'm on trial in the world. And the world has put me on trial about what I said I am, who I said I am, and what I've come to do. And I need people who will stand up for my defense as witnesses before the great judge. Which means that we are called to the witness of Jesus Christ. And no man can witness for him and of his resurrection without power. The Bible tells us when they, were, when they brought him to the Sanhedrin, uh, it, the night before his crucifixion and every man bought, brought false witness against him. 
But the witness they spoke against him, it did not line up. It did not carry weight. And this is what happened to the body of Christ today. We are trying to witness for Jesus Christ, but our witness before the court, before the judge, is not carrying weight. Before the world is not carrying weight. The world is not convinced that Jesus is who he says he is. He's not convinced that Jesus has risen from the dead. He said he would do what he would do. They're not convinced. Why? Because they look at us. They look at his witnesses. And they're not convinced. Because there's nothing to convince them. There's talk. There's talk. There's no action. It's, it's like a doctor. It's like the doctor coming to you and saying, I'm a doctor. I went to study for seven years. I did my residency here and here and here. And you say to him, okay, fine, I understand. What surgery have you performed? What operation have you performed? What diagnosis have you made? In a professional capacity. Or policeman telling him I'm a policeman wearing, wearing a police uniform, but he's never made an arrest. He's never made an investigation. He's never written a statement. And this is what's happening in the body of Christ now. If you're a doctor, show us a record. Everything that is done for the most part in Christianity today is vague. You, you listen to their prophecies. It's vague. There's no specificity. And you ask yourself, you wonder, who, who is this God that does not bear intelligence or that does not have enough sense to, I mean, you, you read Old Testament prophecy, you, 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 you realize the accuracy and detail with which they spoke the mind of God. Today is vague. A move of God is coming. A move of God is coming. The move of God is coming. God is going to bless his people. Anybody can say that. That does not convince anybody. Give us dates and times. And that is why we see so much weakness. The church unable to stand before the world. Be, be unable to stand before the Sanhedrin and the council of the world and provide evidence and proof for Jesus Christ. Why? Because they don't understand. The gospel is a witness. The, this gospel of the kingdom. Jesus gave us two witnesses. He gave us the Holy Spirit and he gave us the gospel. And without these two, there will be inefficacy in the witness of Jesus Christ. In 2019, we told you expressly what will happen in 2020. How that there will be a plague. They will cause terror upon the entire world. Some heard and laughed. Some heard and excused it. But 2020 came and went. And God said it will shake the entire Christian world. We have it on tape. We have it on record. 
that the Holy Ghost gave us a revelation of what was to come. There was a warning sent out. Now, as a father, as a, as a parent, you're only responsible to your household. Right? You, you, you're not judged really on uh, what happens on another household, but your own household. Which means you have to lead by an example. Right? And ensure the preservation and protection of your fold. Now, Jesus is our father. He's our Lord. He's our owner. And if there's anything that is to happen that would threaten the stability of his household, do you not think he will provide protection, preparation, and warning? I think he will tell you, no, there's a storm coming. Don't go out. When this great world event that happened that shook the world in 2020, how many people warned? How many people prepared? Everybody was confused. Every, almost every single, every single Christian were looking at each other and what's going on? But I prepared you all. I prepared you all. And when the calamity came, how can I betray the one who helped warn and prepare me? If you are called to the gospel, you are called to, to death. You're called to death. There is the possibility of death. This is what you must know. If you accept Jesus, he shall be hated by the world. They shall kill you and afflict you, which means when, when you answer the call of the gospel, you are answering the call for the possibility of death and martyrdom for your faith. That's what you are answering. You're not answering a good life. No, you are answering a life of persecution. A life of inconvenience. And now when it came time to prove that we were ready to suffer, what did he say to the church? He said, Satan is coming to tempt you 10 days, but be ye faithful unto death and I shall give you the crown of life. What happened to those scriptures? No, because you men are focused on, 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 on proving whether they are apostles or prophets. They spend a, a large majority of their ministry time trying to prove to people that, no, I'm a prophet. No, I'm, I'm an apostle. No, listen. The only thing that proves what you say you are, the only thing that validates it is, is, is the credentials, is the proof. Not you talking, no, I'm an apostle. No, I'm a prophet. Do you know what a man of God is? Do you know what a prophet is? A prophet does this. A man of God does this. An apostle does Do you look, did Jeremiah spend his days talking about what, how much of an apostle he was? Did Ezekiel spend his days talking about how much of a prophet he was? None of these things. Read your Bible. None of these people spend any time talking about whether or not they were prophets and how they were prophets. No, they just did what God told them to do. If you are a prophet, speak that says the Lord. That's it. 
because there's no excusing power. And there came all leaders and presidents of the world and said, we dare you. Dare to speak publicly against your God. Get, dare together. Did he not say, do not forsake Jesus? He said to us, do not forsake. For any reason, the assembling of one another. For fear of being arrested. For fear of mockery. Because they were not prepared, they were not warned. My question is, my question is, who do they spend time with? Why would God not warn his people of such an event that will threaten the institution of Christianity, the integrity of our faith? No warning. And when he came, they were all shocked. Then they hid behind their screens. From the 31st of March till today, we have never failed together. When the president came out with lockdown five, when soldiers were roaming the streets, when it was service time, it was service time. When it was church time, it was church time. Not online church. Because no president is our key. No president is my, no president. I, I, my allegiance is to Jesus Christ alone. I, I am given to him alone. He is my Lord. So anybody that will try to instill values, commands or instructions that do not agree with those given to me by my Lord, let them choose. But as for me, I die for Jesus. I die for Jesus. I'll be afflicted for Jesus. I'll be persecuted for Jesus. And the time where the whole Christian world was supposed to prove their belief, all of them regressed. And they gave all kinds of excuses. What do you think they're going to do when another worse event than that happens? For fear. For fear. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is not understood. Do, do you think with all the Christians in the world, do you think there's any army, there's any government that will put down Christians, that can stop Christians? Just chose to show that many of us do not know what we signed up for. To be a witness, the word witness is, is, is material. The Greek word material. One who bears testimony by his life and death. And he said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached. Where were the prophets? Where were they? The ones who say they are majors and they are mighty prophets. Where were they? Because the Lord closed their visions. Because they were lying prophets.
Because it's easy to say that says the Lord. It's easy to lie in God's name. Yet he told us what was going to happen. We are not familiar with what the gospel is, the, the, the character of the gospel of Jesus. It says, this gospel of the kingdom must, shall be preached into all nations as a witness, then the end shall come. Which means you are a witness. You are a witness. And I tried last week to, to make you understand really what is the gospel. Because no, this word is, it only appears in the New Testament. The gospel is the message, good news of the kingdom. It is the good news of the kingdom. Now, this good news must be accompanied with certain proofs of expression and demonstration. And the kingdom of God is not in word only, but also in power. So the gospel does not walk alone. It is accompanied. It is paired. Because it is the gospel of the kingdom. Whose kingdom? God's kingdom. The dominion of God. The reign of God. It is the announcement of God's reigning. Of God's dominion. And in order for us to understand why the gospel, why the gospel, we need to really understand the purpose for it. Because this gospel of the kingdom has to do something about the kingdom of God. Can we read? We're going to read several scriptures. Let's go to Revelations chapter 12 again and highlight certain things there which I think is important for us to really grasp and understand. We'll read from verse 1, okay? And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, this mystery, this wonder is not happening on earth. He said, the wonder is taking place in heaven. So this woman is seen in heaven. And when the other wonder appeared, it is also taking place where? In heaven. 
and we see several casts in this wonder. We see a woman, a pregnant woman. We see a child, a man-child. And we see a red dragon and his stars. His stars here is, 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 is referring to angels. Remember when Jesus spoke about the seven stars in his hand, he said, these are the angels of the seven churches. So stars are representative of angels. So he drew a third part of the stars in heaven, this dragon. Right? And he, the Bible tells us that he cast these stars into the earth. So we've, we see two dimensions in which this wonder is playing out. First, it is playing out in heaven and then in the earth. But it starts in heaven. So to really understand the, the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom, we need to understand where the story begins. And the story does not begin on earth. The story of the kingdom, of the gospel, begins in heaven. That is where this story begins. And if you understand the origins of the story, you would understand the character of these cast here on earth and how all these interplay with each other. Now we need to find interpretation of what the woman means and what the child means and what the dragon means, right? We need to find interpretations so that we can begin to build an understanding of what really took place and why did this thing happen? So original sin is, is not man-centric. It's not, it's not man-centric. It did not start with Adam. There was already sin in the universe before Adam was created. So when we talk about the gospel, we, we cannot limit the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Christ to, to man alone because it was not man that began this shenanigan. This cosmic shenanigan was originated in the heavens. The problem started in heaven. So we need to understand what happened and why did it happen? Because when we understand these two things, we will, we will grab the full import of the gospel of the kingdom and we will develop a greater appreciation for why God chose to bring this gospel. Because remember, the gospel or the message of um, uh, the gospel of the kingdom came with Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was born, he was come for this purpose to announce, to preach the gospel. That's what he said he had come to do. 
And if Jesus says his purpose for coming was to preach the gospel, then we must really investigate what this gospel is and the implications of the gospel. So when many, of, when many talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, they begin the story in the garden, but it does not begin in the garden. The story does not begin in the garden. The story begins in the heavens. Now notice, he drew a third part of the stars and he threw them down to the earth, which means at the time that this rebellion and cosmic event happened, the earth was already there. The earth had been already there. So God created the earth the same time he created the heavens. which means the earth cannot be 6,000 years old, right? The, the, the age of the earth far, far exceeds that of man's arrival. The genealogy of man is 6,000 years old, but not the earth. Because the earth is as old as the heavens. <laughs> you, you understand that? The earth is as old as the heavens. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's why when the heavens will be rolled over, the earth will also be, be, be rolled over. So this earth is an old earth. There are only two earths we know about in the Bible. It is the old earth, which is the current earth, and the new earth, which will come after the great battle of Armageddon when all judgment is com completed. Do you understand that? Which means... For us, for me, and for you, it is imperative that we understand why the dragon threw a third part of these beasts into the earth. Why did he do that? This, remember, this was all this was, was a strategic warfare. So let's, let's go back and read and begin to break down the implications of, of this mystery. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. A great sign in heaven. So this was a sign. There was a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. So we can see that this woman here represents... Israel. So we're going to discuss several things that I don't think you, you've heard before, but they are very important. <laughs> what appeared first, right? Was it Israel or was it the, the wonder, the sign? What appeared first, Israel or the sign? Remember, when Jesus called uh, John to this revelation, he said he, he's going to show him things that were and things that shall be, right? So when you read Revelation, you need to understand what is in the past, what is in the future. So the frame for Israel was already predetermined. 
So the, the predestination of the nation of Israel was already predefined by this sign. Which means that everything that has happened in our human history is what had already happened. Do you understand? That the earth is just a place to show forth and play out what has already happened in the mind of God. So Adam's sin, it was a past event. So whatever to us was present and future was passed to God. So when the Bible says there was a woman and this woman had 12 stars or I mean a crown of 12 stars, it means that Israel was, the, the, the mystery of Israel was embedded in the stars. It was embedded. Okay. How did the Mahis find and locate Jesus? What did they use to find Jesus? The Bible says it was his star. They followed his star. And that star gave them the, the exact location. The exact timing, when he was born, his star appeared in the heavens. Which means that the information about Israel was long embedded. The sign was long embedded in the stars. And, and, and John is seeing this. He's seeing a woman. And he's seeing... A, a pregnant woman and he's seeing this thing in heaven and all of a sudden he sees and there appeared another wonder in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads And his tail drew a third part of the of stars of heaven and this cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So the dragon wanted to devour the child as soon as it was born. Why? What was so significant about this child that threatened the dragon? Because the dragon seemed to be threatened about this child, this unborn child. Why? And we will notice and begin to see the offense of the dragon. And why he was so determined and adamant to kill, to devour this child. Because the thing that this child had or was is most likely what this dragon wanted. So everything the child was to be 
is everything the dragon wanted to be. The Bible tells us that Herod found out about these machis because they came to him and Herod said to them, tell me also where this king is so that I may come and worship him. And Herod was a king, remember? And after they met with Jesus and brought in all these uh, presents to him, they received warning from a dream to go out another way and not go back to Herod. And Herod was, was wrathful. And the Bible says that he sent word that every child under the age of two should be killed. Why? Herod felt threatened. And what was playing out is what we're seeing here. Herod felt threatened because these people came to see a king. So Herod thought that Jesus was to be the one that was to usurp him. So to stop that from happening, he did what? He wanted to kill him. That's what the Bible says. That, and there was weeping among the mothers and there was no comfort found for Rahab. So we can see that there are certain, uh, 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 <coughs> certain parallels in the life of Jesus and Satan alongside this mystery that John is seeing. So if the dragon wants to kill, and remember, look, look, look at this. The dragon had seven heads and on those heads he had crowns, which means that dragon was king. The dragon was ruler. The dragon had some form of authority. Because he had crowns, only kings were crowns. And he had seven heads and ten horns. The seven heads are representative of kingdoms. Do, 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 follow me, okay? The seven heads are representative of what? Of kingdoms. Now, God had a kingdom. But no one before the child was ruling in the kingdom. So the manifestation of that kingdom could not come forth because the child who was to rule as king in the kingdom was not there. So the dragon felt threatened that there is a kingdom that will rule all kingdoms. And the kingdom and kingdoms of the dragon was part of the rulership of this child. So the dragon gets angry. And he stands before the woman, waiting for the child to be born so that he might devour the child. Now, look at this. Verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was. This man-child was to rule. All nations. All nations. Nations on earth and nations in heaven. This child was to rule all nations. With a rod of iron, which means the nations were in rebellion. With a rod of iron? What does it mean when, when you say a king rules with an iron fist? Rules with an iron hand? And he said, he, he's to rule all nations. He was to rule. All nations with a rod of iron. And what does God do? 
and her child was caught up unto God, was caught up unto God and to his throne. The child was caught up when the child was born. This child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So the child at birth inherited the throne of God. When this child was born, God retired. He was caught up to God and his throne. The man child was caught up unto God and to his throne. When when the Bible talks about Jesus, uh, let's read John chapter 1 and then let's come back here. Let's read John chapter 1, verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only the only begotten, the only begotten of the Father. The glory as of the only begotten. So Jesus is the one child. This is what it means. The only child of God. He is the only child of God. Now, Where does the woman fit in? This is where the mystery now begins to find its substance. The woman, the presence of the woman is significant because it shows that this child, though would be the king on God's throne, would be a human being. So the dragon is antagonized, feels angry because the one to inherit his throne or the throne of God is not a celestial being, but it is a human being. And the Bible calls him the only begotten. The only, we must never make this mistake, my brothers and my sisters. We are God's adopted children. We are not, we, 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 God adopted us. The Bible talks about us receiving the spirit of adoption. The adoption as unto sons. We were we are adopted. God has only one begotten son. Only one. And his name, his name is the word of God. His name is the word of God. When we begin to move into original naming, it's not Jesus. Jesus was the human name. His original name is the Logos of God. So God thought to give expression to his word as a child. So the word of God is the only begotten of the father. The word became flesh. The word, the word. 
which was with God and was God became flesh. Which means it was not flesh before. And if it became flesh, it means it pre-existed flesh. So the word did not begin its existence in the flesh. It began its existence in the spirit. And it was the word that caused the war. It was the word. It was on account. Remember when Jesus spoke about persecutions coming on account of the word. Which means that the rebellion came on account of the word. The, the changing, the transfiguration from Lucifer to the dragon came as a result of the announcement of the word. The word that was to rule the universe and the galaxies of God and never over my dead body. I'll kill him to interrupt the processes, to interrupt now the plans and purposes of God. So Jesus is not an earth story. Hallelujah. He's the reason behind the war. Now, here's a question. This dragon that had seven heads and seven crowns upon those heads where did he get those kingdoms from? Where did he get? Because this man shall was to read all nations with the rod of iron, which means prior to the man child being born, because he was already a dragon when the man child was born, which means that the knowledge of a new king had been announced. So the gospel is not an earth story, it's a cosmic story. The gospel, the good news, the message about the arrival of a king began in the heavens. That a king is coming who is to rule all nations. And that time, Lucifer was still Lucifer. When this knowledge came, the Bible says, let's read Ezekiel please. Let's read Ezekiel uh, 20, 28. Hallelujah. Verse 12. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation. Take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus says the Lord, Thou sealest up the sum. Thou sealest up the sum. Full of wisdom and in other words, think about it. He said he was the consummation. Do you understand that? He, he, he was the consummation. 
the example of wisdom and the perfection of beauty. And he was perfect in beauty. Full of wisdom. Thou has been in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone. Now, he says, thou has been in Eden, the garden of God, and every, which means that the, the, the presence, his presence is Eden here, is not, is not what? Is not after Adam, is before. Because here he had not fallen. And we only see him in the garden after his fall. Right? But here he had not fallen. He, he was still full of beauty, full of glory. He had not yet fallen. Which means that earth, earth was Satan's domicile. Because we don't know of Eden in heaven. Eden is in earth. It's a location on earth. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. Where was that? It was in earth. So he says, that was in Eden, the garden of God. And listen to what Genesis chapter 2 says, right? And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. Which means Adam was not formed in Eden. And it means that God made Eden and the garden of Eden before he made man. Do you understand that? You see that? So Eden precedes the, the, the arrival of man. So God says, thou art in Eden. Now this king of Tyrus is definitely not a man. Right? He's definitely not a man. He is definitely not a man. But God says he is king. The king of Tyrus. Satan is a king. Satan is a king. And God, God I identifies him as a king. He acknowledges him as a king. So he is King Satan. <laughs> when did he become king? It is clear that he became king before his fall. That he was some form of ruler because he could draw a third part of the stars with him. He was a ruler. And he exercised his rulership on earth. That's why he, he threw a third part of the stars. He threw a third part of the stars on earth. He threw them on earth. Which means that he, he, he had authority to traffic the earth. And he went up, brought them back down. When he said, I will write, okay, we will read it. We will read it. Thou sealest up the psalm full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius stone, the topaz, the barrel, the on. It, does, does this not look like God? Does this not look like God? Does this not look like the throne of God? Does this not look like the covering of the throne of God? The covering of, of the pearl of the gates of Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem? 
the foundations. And this man, he was covered with every precious stone. He says, it was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, hallelujah, the sapphire, the emerald, the, the, the cap, I don't even know how to pronounce that, the gold, the workmanship of thy timbrets and thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. So he, he was created with pipes and tambourines. Is it no wonder that's, that, that, that one of the major tools of Satan today is music? It has nothing to do with whether or not this guy was a worship leader or not. No, no. And, and this proves that, that, that tambourines and pipes are not an invention of man. They are a creation from heaven. And that's why you see the first creation of musical instrument was with the sons of Cain. Jabal and Jubal. They, they, they were the fathers of the, of the temple. They created it. It's not, it's, not, it's not Seth. It's Cain. Which means that it, that was a symbol, a sign of what? Of the presence of the king. And what did Cain do when he departed from the presence of the Lord? He went unto the land of Nod and there he built a city. Who was ruling that city? When the Bible talks about Nimrod, the mighty man, who was ruling that city? Who was ruling Babylon? We see sprouts of satanic kingdoms throughout human civilization and we overlook it. And notice, every time it is Satan that builds first. He's the, he's the, he builds the city first. He builds Babel first. It's him first, him first, him first. Now, where did he get the, the knowledge of arrangement of cities? We, we, we need to go into this thing in depth. We, we, we need to go into this thing in depth. Pause there, pause there for a moment and go to Jeremiah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter chapter 23. We'll read from verse 15. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets. Behold, I will feed them with warm wood. Warm wood is, is it, it, it means bitterness. It's a curse. I'll feed them with warm wood and make them drink the water of gall. For from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. Is this not true even in our time? Verse 16. Thus saith the Lord, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you, that make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart. 
No, this is not what I, 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 I wanted to read to you. Excuse me, because it's... <laughs> It's not what I wanted to read to you. Just give me a second now. Read chapter 20. Chapter 20. The scripture has gone from me. <laughs> my Lord, my Lord and my God. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 20, excuse me. Okay, I'll find it. Let's go back to Jeremiah. I'll find it. I'll find it. And there is no man. Jeremiah 4, Jeremiah 4. There we go. Jeremiah 4, sorry. Jeremiah 4, verse 20. Verse 20. Let's read from verse 20. Jeremiah 4, verse 20. He says, Destruction upon destruction, uh, destruction is cried, for the whole land is spoiled. Suddenly are my tents spoiled and my curtains in a moment. How long shall I see the standard and hear the, the sound of the trumpet? For my people is foolish. They have not known me. They are sottish children and they have none understanding. And they are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. Verse 23. I beheld the earth. I beheld the earth and lo, it was without form and void. And the heavens, they had no light. Huh? Now, can I, can I go deep in this matter with you guys? Is it fine? Is it fine? The Bible tells us, and there was darkness upon the face of the deep. There was no light. Now we know from Genesis on the fourth day, from Genesis chapter 1 verse 14, that the, the, the lights in the heavens provide light on earth. Do you, do you want to know this? Do, do, do you want to know this? Which means that when the earth lost its light, it was because the third of the stars had been cast down. Which means, oh God. Which means Satan was very strategic in which part of the angels he took out. It was those angels that were what? Luminaries. Remember, he, he was what? Lucifer, son of the morning. Which means Satan brightened up the earth. He was the earth's light. 
That's why God said, let there be light. It was not the same light as the light of the sun. So when God said, let there be light, it, it was finally the replacement of Lucifer. So this man says, I beheld there was no light in the heavens. Why? Because the luminaries, the Lucifers had now fallen. They had now turned. So the darkness in the earth and in the heavens above the earth was what? Was as a sign or as a result of the fall. So when, when neither place was found for them in the heavens anymore, what happened is what the, the, the light that they, they, they had had now what? Been taken away from them and they became darkness, thus darkness in the earth. So when the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit, Kanonska, I'm going to bring something to you. When the Bible says the Holy Spirit hovered upon the face of the deep, it was not the hovering of incubation. It was the hovering of demarcating, my God. He, he was demarcating, setting up the, the, the what? The parameters for where the devil could not cross over. So the Holy Spirit hovered upon the face of the deep. I also, why did you offer upon the face of the deep? No, it was to keep Satan in his place. And the deep at that time was what? Was water. Now we want to get into some, 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 some dimensional information here. When he fell, the earth would now been covered with water. So the earth was underwater. There was never a point in time when the earth was a globe. The earth, the earth is a body of land that exists in between the waters. So in reality, the, the earth, the earth is, is an island. <laughs> the earth is an island that, that God made to float upon the earth. That's why the Bible tells us that he has set the foundations of the earth in the deep sea. In the deep sea, the pillars of the earth, he had sat in the deep sea. Which means the home of earth is water. Earth lives in water. So when that judgment came, there was submersion and total darkness. So he says, I beheld, there was no light. The heavens, they had no light. Because the luminaries, the Lucifers had fallen. So you, do you see why he cast a third of the star in the earth? And do you know where a majority of them are? A majority of them are in the sea. Remember the boundaries of the seas were set by God that this fire do not go. And the sea is the manifestation or is the revelation of the presence of these Luciferians. Okay, okay. And I behold a new earth and there was no more sea in it. Why was there no more sea in it? Because the devil at that time had been removed. So there's no need for revelation of Satan. There's only a river now. No more sea. So when God said to rule over the seas of the fish, I mean the fishes of the sea, 
He was talking about to rule over the sea because the sea had what? Been infested. So the demarcation was spiritual. So they cannot cross over. Where are the four angels bound? They are bound in the river Euphrates. They are bound in the river Euphrates. That's where they are bound. And there are many others in the sea. Let's leave that alone. And the heavens, they had, hallelujah. The heavens, they had no, they had no light. I beheld the mountains and lo, they trembled. And the hills moved lightly. And I beheld and lo, there was no man. There was no and all the birds of the heavens were fled. I don't want to touch in this. I don't want to touch this revelation now. It's fine. I beheld and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness. And all the cities, ah, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. Wow, all cities were broken down. Now, he's talking about the time in which the heavens had no light. And he said there was no man. Where was he? And who was that man? And number two, he said all cities were broken down, which means the emergence of cities predated Adamic civilization. So, he was Lucifer and then he became a king. Let's go back to Ezekiel. He was Lucifer and then he became a king. You see, if, if you can reason this out, Satan will hate you, but there's nothing you can do about it. He has chosen, and this is one of his greatest accomplishments, to hide knowledge of himself, knowledge of his fall as much as possible, to create myths and stories and mythologies through these different civilizations and histories of the past, to deceive man of, of who he truly is and what truly happened to him. So he's telling, busy telling man a lie. And he's been doing that for generations. Now, let's continue reading. And the workmanship of thy tambrance, tambrance or, or timbrel or tambourine, right? And of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Did you read that? New translation says you were. Right? It says you were. That's what yours says, right? You were. The anointed. But look at King James. He says, thou art. Implying that he still is. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have said thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. 
that was perfect. That was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. That was perfect in thy ways. So the administration of his office was, was, was perfection. Says thou was perfect from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. So he lost that perfection the day iniquity was found in them. And there's a strange thing because there's no implication or suggestion in the Hebrew word of that word till. So if you remove till, it would read, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created, iniquity was found in thee. So, Satan originated what we know today as iniquity, injustice, unrighteousness. The enemy of all that is righteous. Violence and wickedness. So he became violent. He became unrulable, ungovernable. By the multitude, verse 16, by the multitude of thy merchandise, thy trade, what was he selling? What was he trafficking? They have filled the mist of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was filled up because of thy beauty. You see that? Thine heart was filled up because of thine beauty. That is the weakness in wisdom. That is the weakness in beauty. And thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. What? You, you, you've corrupted thy wisdom because of your brightness. Be, because, of, because of thy brightness. It's weird because of your shining. He, he corrupted his wisdom. In other words, in other words, he thought being a being of light, being an angel of light, exempted him from the laws and protocols of God and made him peculiar from other angels. So he corrupted his wisdom. Now though he began to change it. No, I can be like God because they looked at God and God is light. The Bible says, in God, there is no darkness. He looked at God, God is light. I'm light. I'm God. I'm God. I'm God. And that's why he tricked man. He says, you know, you shall be like God. That's what he wanted. That's what he thought he was. Because when men become a God unto themselves, they become a law unto themselves. But in reality, they become iniquity. Then listen to this. By reason of thy brightness, I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings. Aye. See that? 
I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Before, why would God lay him before kings? Be, thou hast defiled, verse 18, thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore, I will bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee and will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all men that they may behold thee. Does not the Bible say he will be cast into the lake of fire to be consumed to ashes? Satan will cease to exist at one point and he knows it. And this is the message of the gospel. Verse, verse 19. All that know thee, and this thing will happen on earth. He will make this public spectacle of him in the earth. All that know thee among the people. Huh. Among the people. All that know thee. Among the people shall be astonished at thee. He, he's talking about the people that have sworn allegiance to him. Oh, the one that know thee among the people. When they see thee, they shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror and never shalt thou be anymore. <laughs> thou shalt be a terror or thou hast been a terror and you shall never be a terror anymore. So the gospel brings knowledge of this beast, of this king, of this dragon. And he's telling you, there's no need to fear him. <laughs> there's no need to fear him. There's no need to be terrified of him. Why? Because God had stripped him. Now, let's go back to Revelations. And then now you begin to understand. Revelations chapter 12. Now you begin to understand why the child was a threat to the dragon. Because he threatened his establishment. He threatened his kingdom. And the dragon would not have it. Because the dragon, I showed you, God identified him as king. A king that walked upon the garden of Eden. He was king. And now he couldn't rule on earth after Adam because now we'll touch on that later. He couldn't rule because now there was a new king. So what did he do? He entered a serpent. He used a serpent, one of the craftiest beings because the serpent at that time was the only creature that could speak. Now, let's read. And, and she brought forth a man-child that was to rule the nations, verse 5, with a rod of iron. You see, that rod of iron is important. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fell into, uh, fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand, two hundred and threescore days. I'll touch on that some other time. And there was, because he's, he's both referring to um, the tribulation, period and there was war in heaven and there was war where in heaven the war was not on earth and i told you last week that the war had not been concluded the war was concluded with the death of jesus christ so this war had had been and has been continuing until jesus died and finally stripped them off now because of his 
stubbornness, he will try to do what? He will try to set up another war after the 1,000 years of tribulation because it will be allowed him. So God allows all these things so that he can fulfill judgment. And then that great battle of the Armageddon. Now imagine people are, te are telling you that they're going to be coming down and fighting against these nations in, uh, 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 after the 1,000 year period and they will be on horses with the Lord and they are prophesying it, but they can't stand today. And, the, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. So no more could they traffic the heavens. It was all cut off. So they are bound to the earth. Satan is bound to the earth. He's bound to it. From where forth do thou comest? He says, from, from what? From treading upon the earth to and fro. He's bound to the earth. I don't know what they are doing up there in heaven when they are sending rockets and all those things up there. Just now, they said to us that India had landed on a moon. Which moon? What time? What time? How? They must show us. How do you land on a light? How do you land on a light? <laughs> they must show us. They must they must really show us. Hallelujah. How 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 is this ball of light outside? The Bible says that everything is encased within the firmament. And above the firmament is water. It's the waters above. So there's that blue you see there, it's water. Nothing leaves this place. And I must show us how, how do they get to them? Because the moon is constantly moving around the secretary. The Bible says he had set his beams in the upper chambers. His beam, which means heaven is directly above the firmament. As soon as you pass through the heavens, as soon as you pass through the heavens, you reach heaven. Galaxy. What galaxy? No, it's, 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 it's Satan trying to deceive man. Take heed that no man deceive you. The earth is a ball of light. A ball? A ball? A sphere? Yet the Bible talks about the four corners of the earth. There's a circle. There's a ball. A spheric thing has, has corners. Yet the Bible says the earth has four corners. And there are angels that stand at the four corners of the earth. If anything, the earth is a square. Anus. But, but it's in you. It's in you. You see how Satan has entered you? Has entered your mind? Has occupied? You, you can't think of the earth of any other thing. Yet God in his word has shown us how it looks like. Even Satan himself doesn't lie to God. He doesn't say, I come from around the world. 
He said, to and fro. So the earth has a length and a breadth. The earth upon the waters and on the waters. So these guys are cast down into the earth. And, and, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. This voice was saying in heaven, now, now, when? Now, they were cast down in the earth. And a voice said immediately, now salvation is come. Now salvation is come and strength is come and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Because the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now is come. When, when he is cast down, now is come. So salvation came as a result of what? Not of the sin of man. Strength came not as because as a result of the sin of man. The kingdom came not as a result of the sin of man. It came as the result of the fall of Satan. Now salvation is come because the accuser of our brethren which accuses them day and night before God is cast down. So salvation is come. They need salvation. They need strength. They need the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is God's answer to the fall of Satan. So only the kingdom of God can withstand Satan. And I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then he says, he says he took us from the dominion of Satan and untranslated us unto the kingdom of the son of his love. God called me to take man out of the kingdom of darkness unto light. From darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. So the message of the gospel is about the displacement of Satan and man's role in it. So when Jesus said, I have come, and he preached the gospel saying the kingdom of God is come. What he was telling them was, don't fear anymore. The days of bondage are over. The days of trial are over. The days of, of, of affliction and persecution are over. Why? Because the kingdom of God has come. So the arrival of the kingdom came as a result of the casting down of Satan. And because of that, the, the main message of the kingdom is the liberation of man from Satan and the dominion of God with man. Daniel, let's, let's close this up today in Daniel. Let's close it up in Daniel. So when you say in the name of Jesus, I cast out devil, you are preaching the gospel. 
You are displacing them, dislodging them. You are enforcing the kingdom. Now the kingdom is come. Now the power of our Christ is come. Now salvation and strength is come because our brethren is cast down. Which means no man can successfully withstand the devil without salvation. No man can with, with successfully withstand the devil without the strength of God. Be finally, my brethren, be ye strong in the Lord and in the power of his might that he may be able to stand. No human being can successfully stand against the devil unless he's in the kingdom of God. No, king, no child, no man, no human can successfully resist the devil unless and without the power of his Christ. So Christ is a necessity to man. The kingdom of God is a necessity to man because man hath an enemy, a king whose primary agenda is not only to accuse and oppose, but it is to kill, it is to destroy. Every work of God, every creation of God and to undermine who God is. So the gospel is the testimony of God's integrity, the testimony of God's love, the record and the testimony of God's power. And that's why the kingdom does not come before, it comes after. So when God created man, he was setting up Adam as an ambassador of the kingdom. So even before the, that ambassadorship, that colony was, was established, man fell. So when the last Adam comes, he comes and he preaches the gospel. Adam was supposed to be a preacher of the gospel. And that's why only man can preach it. Only man can preach it because Satan's debacle is not against angels. He has them. He's against man. Because this man is the image of God to the universe. So you will try as much as possible to corrupt him, to pollute him, to afflict him, to blemish him, to spot him. Those weaknesses in your life, those sins in your life, those struggles in your life, the diseases in the body, the blemishes in the body, it, it's Satan trying to mock God. That's why your obligation and your primary assignment is to do all you can with all the resources God has given us in salvation, in redemption, to ensure that glory and God is glorified in your body, glorified in your life. So when the Bible says give glory, he's talking about the enforcement of the kingdom of the gospel. It's not about titles. I'm an apostle. No, 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 no. no. I'm, a, I'm a preacher. I'm a, no, they, they are all called to the service of the gospel. God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. When apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. So the only way we're going to access salvation, strength, the kingdom, the power is through the gospel. When we finally understand the message, what it was about, what is it about, and what is the end goal of the gospel, it is the establishment of the kingdom. That's why he said, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all nations as a witness, then the end shall come. 
You know there's no weakness in a ministry when a ministry spends days and all their times talking about how good they are, talking about how well they are, how anointed they are, how blessed they are. You are blessed because of the gospel. Don't you dare for one minute think that the reason why you are anointed is for any other reason than to serve the ministry and the administration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When God does miracles in your life, it's about the gospel. It's the testimony of the gospel. When God shows wonders, when he provides for you, it's about the gospel. All about, all about the gospel. When Peter saw Ananias suffering there bedridden for eight years, he said, Ananias, Jesus Christ makes you well. Take thy bed and walk. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no power in Christianity today because our message is a watered down message, a message that focus only on self because that's what Satan wants. He wants our minds to be absorbed with ourselves, who we are, how special we are and not about the real thing because when men begin to rise and preach the real thing, preach the gospel, all of a sudden there's power in the world. All of a sudden there's a terror that comes into the world. The Bible tells us about Moses who was a terror unto kings and nations because he had the testimony of God. Christians are weak. They are afraid. They are afraid to speak boldly of Jesus because they don't understand the gospel. Listen, my brother, my sister, the job you work at, the government that you live under, the nations that you have come under the Bible says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one Satan is chief Satan is ruler Satan is king over them but within you is the kingdom of God and the Bible tells us that when you stand against all these nations all this lawlessness all these kings and wicked rulers that serve the interests of the devil and say I will not bow you are representing the gospel you are a witness the Bible is telling us that when man begin to speak boldly. That's why Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my father. Because he's saying you must speak boldly about Jesus. Because Jesus is the only liberator of the human species, of the angelic cosmic systems. Jesus and his kingdom. And this kingdom shall be, I belong to Jesus. Stop saying I belong to God because there are many gods in the world. He has given us a name by which men must be saved. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. My God of things in heaven, of things in the earth, of things under the earth, that Jesus Christ is Lord. So every time you say I belong to Jesus, you are telling every nation, every devil, every system enshrouded with demonic intentions that you belong to Jesus. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. You are in the world, but you do not belong to this world. He said, I've chosen you out of the world. 
This is the gospel to which we were called. We will die for this gospel. We will suffer for this gospel. We, my God, my God, the days of inconvenience are over, my brothers and my sisters. It's time for you to stand up. If you die, you die. If you suffer, you suffer. If you are cast out, you are cast out. But Lord, let it be known that we will not bow. Burn us, O King Nebuchadnezzar. Cause us, put us in prisons. Cause us to die. But we will not bow. We will not bow. Because our kingdom is not of this world. My Lord, my God, our kingdom is not of this world. He told him, he told Pontius Pilate, you say well that I'm king, but my kingdom is not of this world. For it being of this world, then my servants would fight for me. I am my God. I am my God. Satan, your time is coming to an end. He knows it. So he sets us up against each other. When a man said, do you know how powerful I am? How many devils have fought? How many territories have conquered? My brother, my sister, Jesus has conquered the heavens. He has conquered the earth. He has conquered the underworld. Don't tell me about you. Tell me about Jesus. Because had it not been for Jesus, had it not been that anointing upon your head, you would have been washed out. You would have been a sinner in hell. Do you want to come talk about how powerful you are? How anointed you are? Shut up! This gospel of the kingdom. This gospel of the kingdom. Not of apostle so and so, preacher so and so, prophet so and so. The devil has them in a daze and they're forgotten to what they were called unto. Short sighted, blinded. And this gospel of the kingdom. Let's look at Daniel and then we'll round off. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Verse 29, chapter 2. Daniel. The announcement of the gospel was the announcement of the end of the age. He said, as for thee, <clears throat> O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, the secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living thing. But for their sakes, that they shall make known the interpretation to the king. And thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Thou, O king, sawest and behold a great image. This image whose brightness was excellent stood before thee and the form thereof was terrible. This image head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part iron and part clay. And thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. 
stone which smote the image upon his feet and that of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together and became like chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no peace was found for them. No place was found for them. The stone that smote the image became a great mountain. And upon the stone, upon the stone, upon the stone, I will build my church. That is the stone of the kingdom. The stone is the kingdom. This is the government of God. And the stone which thou sowest became a great mountain and it filled the whole earth. This is the interpretation of the dream and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, a power and glory and strength. Wheresoever the children of man dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar was this head of gold. So which means the image was about kings and kingdoms. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. And another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. This was the Roman Empire. And as iron breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And then he says, Thou soweth the feet and the toes, part of the potter's clay, part of iron. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Part of clay and part of iron. For as much as thou sowest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sowest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of man. He's talking about angels here. We're not going to get into that today. But they shall not cleave to one another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings, the ten kings, in the days of the ten kings, Shall the God, how, how many heads did the dragon have? Seven heads. How many horns did he have? Ten. The ten horns are the ten kings. Seven have a kingdom, three have no kingdom as yet. Read Revelation chapter 17 and 18. These are, these are, these are things we'll discuss at a later point in time. So there were 10 kings. And it says, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. shall never be destroyed. It shall never be destroyed. 
No man can see the kingdom unless he is born again. I ask you, to which kingdom are you allied? To which kingdom have you pledged your allegiance, pledged your loyalty? The Bible says, fear him, not who is able to kill your body, but not your soul, but fear him who is able to kill both your body and your soul and cast it into internal fire. That's God. Lift up your hands right now. Just lift up your hands before the Lord. Oh, he will set up. Lift up your hands right now before God. Lift up your hands right now. My God, pray, pray, pray and bless him. Give him thanks. That you belong to a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver and the gold, the great God had made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter and the dream is certain and the interpretation thereof is sure. And we belong to that stone. We ask the stones that are part of the stone the stone which the builder rejected hath now become the chief cornerstone. My God, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. This gospel of the kingdom, my Father, my God, my Shano Rabadabasanda. Oh, my Father, we repent, we repent, oh God. We repent of our waywardness, of our ignorance. Because we belong to the kingdom that will never fail. The kingdom which is immovable. Oh, give him thanks, my brother, my sister. For not handling the gospel of Jesus Christ. With the Jew respect, the Jew honor. Mantaka paradila. Sanya nakya rabadaliga bahashalegamanta irenoda bashika livaradando sahia. We are children of the kingdom. We are children of the kingdom, an immovable kingdom, a kingdom that shall break in pieces all other kingdoms, a kingdom of kingdoms. And we have a king of kings with us, the ruler over the kings of the earth, the one who sat at the right hand of power, the one who is sat at the hand of majesty. Holy Spirit, this is the truth that will liberate man from bondage and sin and from the clutches of the adversary, the clutches of the wicked one where we finally know that we do not belong to Satan. We do not belong to this world, but we belong to the kingdom, the kingdom of kingdoms, the kingdom of our God. And it is to this gospel, to this gospel that we lay our lives. Ya Labadea. 
Jesus, we thank you. Dear God, we love you. Dear God, we bless you. Hallelujah. This gospel of the kingdom We thank you, Jesus. You can face the world, you can face life with confidence, knowing that you are backed by a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. The gospel is about the clash of kingdoms. Yes, the game of thrones. And there's only one king that will come out victorious and rule all other kingdoms. Study wars in history from tribal law, tribal wars, societal wars, national laws. He says, and kingdom will rise against kingdom and nation against nation by this gospel of the kingdom. And it is in our time that the gospel, that God in heaven has established the gospel. It will break in pieces all other kingdoms. And that's why he said to us, do not fear. Do not scour. Do not be a coward. Because this is the one when all is said and done, this is the kingdom that shall remain. Christianity is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. If, if your foundations in Christianity are not based on the gospel of the kingdom, your Christianity will be very flawed. Your life, your practice as a Christian will be very flawed. Because you will think that, that it is like unto other religions. That the practices are, are like unto other religions. So you will lack the practicality. And you, you will constantly be fighting and warring unnecessarily. Beating against the air. Warring here, warring there. Beating against the air. If we still have to fight, like the battle is a long way from ending, why did Jesus die? And why did he give us all authority? What is, what is the purpose of all this? What means all this? Paul said it rightly, if Christ be not risen, then our faith is in vain. Then our faith is in vain. If he be not risen, then our faith is in vain. But it's not in vain because he has risen. Hallelujah. We'll continue next week. The gospel of the kingdom. May God help us 
imbibe these truths into our lives. When you when you're at home, when you're there living your life, how do you think about the gospel? How do you feel about Jesus? And many times we don't know how to feel because we don't know what the gospel means. Because the vast majority of us ministers are focused on the wrong things. Focus on self. But he hath not called us to preach ourselves. Paul said, him we preach. Him we preach. We preach Jesus Christ. Him we preached. If I die tomorrow and God takes me up, my testimony, the record I would have left in the earth is not that of my ministry, that of my name. But it was that I didn't care about all these things. My concern was I be as faithful to the delivery and the ministry to which he'd called me for. To represent Christ, to preach his word, and to teach his people. Out of all the thousands of sermons and teachings I've taught, that is my testimony, my record to God. To me, it doesn't matter. You know, it used to matter <clears throat> before when I was growing up. To me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether I preach to 10 to a hundred thousand, it doesn't matter. What matters to me is I glorify Him. If, I, if, if He's glorified by me preaching to 10 or to five, then I'm happy. Because what matters is whether or not I do what He said I must do. That is what matters. If you asked me years ago, why am I in ministry? I would have told you to win the world for Jesus. But if you ask me today, why am I in ministry? It would not be the same answer. Because I love Jesus. I love him. Sincerely, I do. And I know I am indebted. It's, it's a debt I'm paying to God and I'll pay it for the rest of my life. He died for me. He saved me. Eternity is a long time. And Jesus brought me, he, brought, he bought me a ticket to eternity with God. I owe him my life. An expensive ticket I owe him my life. And that's why I teach you God's word. 
so that you, by reason of hearing and listening to these teachings, to these messages, can formulate your own sunesis of God and of His Word. And that perhaps you will come to the same conclusion that I have come to. That nothing else matters in life than loving God. Ephesus, you can do all things right. You can preach, you can stand, you can persevere, you can have patience. You can be an apologist. But if you don't love Jesus, you have no right to eat of the tree of life. We don't preach and teach you God's word so that we look like we know or we understand deep revelations. No. Him we preach warning, teaching and warning every man that they may have a stance in the day of judgment. This gospel of the kingdom and I pray that you become a committed loyalist, a committed witness to the gospel. That you consider what he had done for you and that you stand up for him in any capacity you can. That you do not shy away from the threats and deceptions in the world. For we are all called to defend the truth of the gospel. There's so much we will discuss, so much you will know, so much you need to understand about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I really don't know how long this series will span, but as long as it takes, we will teach God's word. And that's why from this weekend, we will begin the Bible commentary series to help God's people understand and develop value, value, value for the word, to delight yourself in the word. It's not just about getting credits for reading chapters and scriptures. No, there is light in there. There's apocalypse in there. There's revelations that is transformative. There's truth that liberates. And we teach you how to use the gospel and implement it in the administration of life. It's not just about gathering you here and spewing out revelation after revelation. I wouldn't care less about those things. But it, was, it is about bringing you a step closer to understanding God. And that's why you must never lose the ability to reason. You must never lose the ability to think. Because that ability is given to you by God and you can reason out what I've taught you 
You can search out the scriptures to find out if what I'm teaching you is truth or not. The world needs to know that there is a kingdom above all kingdoms. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and your week ahead. We will convene again Wednesday evening. Trust you are blessed. Good day.